hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. I'm disillusioned too. You still gotta vote. You still got, if you can, you still gotta vote. None of them are ever wasted. We're too busy for the introductions, but this is why we called the first Monday after week one in the NFL Overreaction Monday. This is why you don't overreact after one week in the National Football League. Here's why. The Steelers went into Buffalo and beat the Bills in week one. Pittsburgh loses at home to the Raiders in week two. The Bills, who lost in week one, week two go into Miami, smash the previously 1-0 Dolphins. That's one example. Numero dos. The Saints beat up on the Packers 38-3 in week one. 38-3. And then have their donkeys handed to them by the Panthers, 26-7. Got it good and since you understood, don't look now. But how in the good name of Dick Butkus? That's right, kids. There was a guy named Dick Butkus. Are Carolina and Vegas 2-0? And it's not just them. How about the 2-0 Denver Broncos? Oh, the Denver Broncos. (laughs) I will never not laugh at that. Take it easy, Homer J., they could be 3-0. and Next week, they are home to the Jets. And oh, the Jets. <laughs> Sam Darnold is 2-0. and The Jets are 0-2. Oh, the NFL. Always just enough crazy to keep you interested. Kind of like William Shatner. We'll get to the Sunday Nighter. And Rich Gannon will join Jesse Rubinoff and I a little later on in the show to break down the weekend. Get you set for the Lions and Packers. Oh, my. That's your Monday nighter. Also, the pregame to the pregame starts right here, right now on Tim and Friends. As the Jays, fresh off their seventh straight series win, have ventured down to the little trop of horrors in Tampa for a three-game set with the division-leading Rays. And speaking of the Rays, the favorite for the Cy Young Award in the American League, Robbie Ray in his tight pants. Everybody's looking at my tight pants. I got my tight pants. I got my tight pants on. Those are tight pants. Jesse Rubinoff, did you wear your tight pants today? Uh, these are tight, relatively speaking, but thank you for putting that in uh, my head and everybody else who's watching. That song will be in our head the rest of the afternoon. Well, those pants are tight. They're not as tight. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah, not bad. They look like leggings. I'm gonna really? be honest with you. Really? That's how um, we're starting. Okay. They're somewhat taped. I'm not. I'm not acting is like my insult? pants aren't that's, tight. Okay. My, so that's I'm, how we're starting Monday. Uh, I'm disillusioned too. That's so. It's a Monday. That's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest right here, right now. Okay. <laughs> I wore my tight pants <laughs> in honor of Robbie Ray today. These are as tight as they get for six foot, two hundred pounds, or in and around there. I don't yeah. weigh myself in a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I got—I I don't want my pants to be tight. I got to start losing some weight ahead of the wedding in uh, a few weeks. So, that's those are those are pretty tight for Uncle Timmy. I'll tell you. I that. got my tight pants on. And we got it. Uh, Robbie Ray will toe the rubber, take the bump, 
or he'll just start for the Jays tonight, which becomes all the more important with Hyunjun Ryu now on the 10-day IL. Jays Rays on the network tonight. Toronto one game back of the Red Sox, one and a half up on the Yankees, Blue Jays Central. Coming your way in just under an hour and a half, we've got you covered with all the latest from the park, including my take in First Things First and Buck Martinez from Florida just after 6 p.m. Eastern time. Lineups, matchups, and more all coming up as game day always starts right here on Tim and Friends. And don't look now, kids, but NHL camps starting to open their doors this week. Leafs have 7 p.m. Saturday night, like this Saturday night. And speaking of the Habs, Jonathan Drouin making some news in Montreal as he opened up to our friend Renaud Lefoy about his struggles. And coming up next, we had some fun chatting with the Devils' Jack Hughes, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite conversations in the NHL, even though he's not quite sure who I am. We'll explain next, next segment Excuse me, when the middle child of the hockey-playing Hughes joins us here on Tim and Sid. I mean Tim and Friends. I'm excited about this one. Hope you are too. Let's kick off the festivities with Ruby, Biggie, and First Things First. First Things First. First. I gotta say, very impressed with the matchy-matchy of the pants, the little subtlety of the, the oh, beige in the jacket. Be. I try. You know, yeah. Jesse. The white. I said the white shoes, the white pocket square. Are we uh, no white after Labor Day? I think that's gone, right? No, you make the rules. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I like that. There you go. Solid. Yes. I appreciate it. Friends for no reason, okay? This is a new outfit. I, I did it myself. There was no stylist up there. There was no one dressing me. I just did it myself. And I was a little nervous, so I'm glad that you said that you liked the outfit. Today. No, yeah, it's, it's yes, I'm, I'm very impressed. Appreciate that, it. And then the shoes are big. Everyone, when I get comments about your outfits, it's usually just about the shoes, but hopefully we can, <laughs> it can translate <laughs> to the rest wait, of your outfit. Wait a second, that was like a backhanded slap right there. No, I think, it, no. Usually when people talk about your outfits, Incorrect. it's got nothing to do with you, the clothes, or anything else, just your shoes. Incorrect. It's because people <laughs> yes. are so enamored with your Jordans. It's like right. they don't see hosts on TV usually wear Jordans. Right. I certainly don't. I'm wearing Converse right now. I so, like the Chucks. Those are all-stars. Those you. are classics. Thank you. I appreciate it. Better than it them, ever was. Trying to keep them fresh. Let's keep it fresh. Um, speaking of fresh, hopefully yes. Robbie Ray's fresh on the mound tonight. The Blue Jays took... There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Now it's in my head again. Uh, the Jays took two or three from the Twins over the weekend and have won seven straight series as they head into the Trop to open a three-game set with the Rays tonight. It's the House of Horrors historically, but the Jays are alone in the second wildcard spot, one and a half games up on the Yankees. So, Timmy, here we go. 13 games left. How are we feeling about the Blue Jays' playoff chances with just two weeks to go in the regular season here? Before I get to that, I think yeah. I figured out what's going on here. Who's pitching for the Jays tonight, oh, Jesse? Yeah, that would be Robbie Ray. Yes. I got my tie dance on. I got it. Yeah. I have figured it out. So, tonight on the bump, it's a kid named Shane Boz and Robbie Ray. I got my tie dance on. Got it. Understood. Uh, 13 games left. One and a half is nothing. Anyone who thinks that it's over is sorely mistaken. You have to fight for each one of these games for the 13 remaining, and that's the way it works. And that's why a pennant race and or a wild card race is the best thing in baseball. Because you get this scoreboard watching each and every day. Uh, the Red Sox are idle. The Yankees are playing tonight. It's, to me the most wonderful time of the year. 
You've got hockey starting. You've got the NFL and CFL in full swing. You've got this pennant race. You've got a Canadian team, the Canadian team, in this pennant race. This is as fun as it gets. Toronto, the three against Tampa in the little trop of horrors, as Mm -hmm. we like to call it here. Very dangerous. The Yankees, Rangers, then that Red Sox series is so intriguing. Who do you want to win those games, Jesse? No idea. I I honestly have no idea because it depends how the Jays are playing, right? How the Jays, whether they win or lose, affects who you want to win because they need to lock down one of the spots. And is locking down one of those spots enough or do you want to play at home where the Jays are a ridiculous 21-9 and this year? That would be ideal. Right? That would be ideal. So part of this, like, back and forth is you want home field advantage for that wild card so we don't even know when the Yankees play the Red Sox who you're cheering for. That's why this is so much fun. And never mind what we're watching right now. Like, I mean, what part of this run, if you are a Toronto Blue Jays fan, and I know that everyone watching isn't a Toronto Blue Jays fan. There are a lot of Bo Sox fans out east. There's a lot of Yankees fans because they jumped on a bandwagon when they were like 12 years old, and the Yankees have never not been good. So I get it. There are fans of the other teams in this mix. But if you're a Jays fan, like Robbie Ray looks like he is the... I got my tie pants on. We're looks like I'm not going to say it again. Looks yeah. like he's the favorite for the AL Cy Young Award yeah. now that Garrett Cole got shelled yesterday. And my God, did he get shelled at a bad time. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is closing the gap on Shohei Otani. And I never thought it would... I'm the guy, and you know this, mm-hmm. I had a bet on Shohei Otani at 25-1 to 1 to win the AL MVP. I was offered around 90% on the cash out on that bet and I took it about two weeks into being offered it because I felt like hey if he wins this triple crown he might he might be able to kind of close this gap mm-hmm. and I I still thought not chance like, well the odds are definitely changing now show was minus 5,000 to win about a week ago and now it's minus 2,500 and I will say when it comes to Vladdy, when you look at his numbers, this would be probably the best AL MVP season, hitting-wise, uh, since 2013 in Miguel Cabrera. So this is horrendous timing when it comes to Vladimir Guerrero. But we've had Jeff Passan on the show. We had Morosi on the show. Tom Verducci just wrote an article about why Shohei is going to win MVP. These are guys that have their finger on the pulse. They know exactly what they're talking about. They talk to other writer, writers around the baseball world. This thing was was a jam done in July. Now, should that be the case? No. They should let it play out. And maybe some are. Maybe he'll get some votes. There's a reason why it was a jam done in July. Because someone's doing something that only Babe Ruth has ever done in baseball history. Now, I don't know if I've ever seen a a season like this at 22. But the MVP is not an age-appropriate award. The MVP is the most valuable player. It is, in my opinion, the best player on a decent team. You can weigh how much you believe that to be true. Does it have to be a playoff player? Does the wild card change it versus a team that wins the pennant? Either way, what Vladdy is doing right now is, and I I don't say this with a shred of hyperbole, unbelievable. No question about it. Unbelievable. And his last 21 games, 
The slashes are absolutely ridiculous. I'll just say unbelievable again. The slashes over the last 22 games are 386. That's the batting average. 452. The OPS is just simply off the charts. It's at 1.235. He has more home runs than strikeouts in his last 21 games. He has 10 home runs and nine strikeouts. And I want you to fix your attention <laughs> on the average exit velo. It was 97.2 miles. That's the average over 21 games. I'm going to pin down a number for you, Jesse. And I want you to listen closely, and I want Canada to listen closely. Thank you to Chris Black to point this out to me on Twitter. So in a week, since September 12th, eight days, last mm. Sunday, mm. Um, we measured how many balls were hit at 110 miles per hour or more off the bat. It's a hard hit ball. Very hard hit ball. The New York Yankees lead the majors with 12 balls hit off the bat. Excuse me. 12 balls hit off the bat at 110 miles per hour or more. Vladimir Guerrero has eight himself. What? The Chicago White Sox are third in the majors behind Vladdy and the New York Yankees as a team with seven. Okay? Let me repeat this again. 110 plus miles an hour off the bat since last Sunday. Yankees 12, Vladdy himself eight, the White Sox seven, Tampa Bay six, Atlanta and Philly five, New York Mets, Chicago Cubs, Cleveland, San Diego, Washington have four apiece. Houston, KC, Houston, trash cans and all. KC, Baltimore, Miami, Texas, Oakland, Seattle, three. Only one entire team in the major leagues has more balls hit at 110 or more than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on his own. That's unbelievable. What I'll say to that is it does not feel right that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not going to win the MVP award. So you don't think it's going to happen? I still do not think it's going to happen. I mean, the reality of the situation is Shohei Otani struck out 10 guys yesterday. Like, what, are we, what are we even talking about do, here? Do you think that he – we had heard that he wasn't going to pitch again this year. Yeah. Do you think that he pitched because he felt Vladimir or the Angels felt like Vladimir Guerrero was – the breath was on the back of his neck? No, I don't think so no. because Shohei Otani was what, chosen to be what one of top 100 most influential people. What was it? In, in sports? Or in sports, in, yeah. yeah. In sports. I mean, when you get that award, or you're in the world, not sports, in the world. It was just period? Top 100 influential people in the world. When you are included in that okay. list, it seems like <laughs> the MVP for the American League is probably wrapped up. Right. Is it not? And, and like, what I will say is he, he hasn't been as good in the second half of the season. There's no question about that. And aside mm-hmm. from a two-week stretch for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he's been good the entire season. Right. So the consistency has been on Vladdy's side. But then again, you also have to look at, and I've made this argument before, who Vladdy is surrounded by. And his average is up there and his home runs are up there, but he, he gets a lot of extra RBIs because of who's around him in the lineup. Shohei Otani doesn't get pitched to anymore. Because there's no one else in that lineup. 
There's right. nobody else in that lineup, and he still got tw- 44 home runs, and he was in the lead for a very long time. So yeah, that matters. Th- that matters, and, and you you really have to boil it down and say that look, he's doing something that no one's ever seen before. That's still living, mm-hmm. and that means something. The uh... I had a conversation with a friend at baseball about this. He's like, well, how many, let's look up how many Triple Crown winners haven't won the MVP. Like, there can't be any that won. And there are a few, and it's probably because they didn't play in New York, and there's some ridiculousness back in the day that if you weren't on a playoff team, even if you had monster numbers, you weren't going to win the MVP. But I kept just saying, well, how many times, how many times did a guy do what Babe Ruth did in any of those years, right? Like, this is a once every hundred years thing that we're seeing. Yeah. From, like, it's just the timing, and you're right. So I completely agree with you. The only thing that is taking away this MVP from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a dude that has done something that no one has ever seen before in our lives, and it's just that bad timing. But I also don't understand why so many Jays fans are so invested in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I was just going to bring that up. It's going to cost them. And same with (laughs) Robbie Ray. Almost said the I other thing. I got my It's on. like people care more about the MVP award than they care about making the playoffs or enjoying September. Oh, he's the MVP. He's got to be. Take it easy. It's going to cost fine. you. No, but the other part is that it's going to cost you a bleep right. load of money. If he wins MVP totally. at 22, think of what his deal is going to be. All these J's. Robbie Ray it's is going excellent. to win. I got my tie pants on. AL Cy Young. Think of how much you're going to have to pay him. Marcus Simeon. Think of how much you're going to have to pay him. Teoscar Hernandez. Think of how much you're going to have to pay him. Bo Bichette. Think of how much. Like, it's a lot of money. It's an excellent, excellent point. We'll have much more on the Blue Jays coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, Robbie Ray, you mentioned, goes. I got my tie to the pants on. Now they minus 250 favorite to win the Cy Young. And a lot of his, as you, as you mentioned, what happened to Garrett Cole yesterday? And Garrett Cole also, during that start, <laughs> looked behind him and wasn't too happy with what he saw on the, on the score, scoreboard, what the, scoreboard Jays, what the Jays were doing. I think we have the audio of it if we want to play it in visuals. <laughs> those, uh, those scores don't bode well as Matt Blake goes out and gives uh, Cole a little bit of a blow on the, uh, on the mound. Oh, he blew on the mound, all right. At least he's concerned about the team results, and he's, I don't think he's focused on the Cy Young in that moment. He's like, uh-oh, I'm yeah. costing my team here, and it could loom large yeah. a little bit later. So we'll see what uh, Robbie Ray has in store. And again, we'll have much more coming up on the Jays a so little bit later So go a long way. You keep, you keep building to that spot. If you knock out the Yankees, I wouldn't be surprised if Robbie Ray is your AL. I got my pants on. I got him at plus 152. Oh, did you? I was nice. like, just like, he's got, he's got double digit, you know, a little sprinkle, a little sprinkle. He's got double digit K's in four or five starts. Like, let's go. It's Robbie Ray's to lose now. Okay. It's been another one. <laughs> in the NFL, bookended by thrilling one point games in the Thursday nighter and Sunday nighter. And there were five other games decided by three points or less. The Ravens' comeback win over the Chiefs, pre- preventing Tim from going a perfect 4-0 on his picks to start the season. Other than that, Mickey what was Mush. your biggest takeaway? Mickey Mush. He picked the game? same game as me. Mickey. I saw that. Um, yeah, I saw it. 
I think my stat, or my stat, it's, it's a stat that we've been using for a long time on Tim and Sid, and a lot of people use it now. But since 1990, teams that have started 0-2 on the season have made the playoffs just 11.6% of the time. And what I'm thinking of today are not the 0-2 teams, but the teams that avoided 0-2. Right. Ravens, Titans, Bills, Cowboys all avoid the dreaded 0-2 start, and they think the most impressive of the bunch was what Baltimore did, especially after going down double digits to KC? No question. Yeah. I, I'm very – are you not concerned a little bit about uh, the Kansas City Chiefs defense? And, and we know what Patrick Mahomes can do. We've seen it for years now. And it's like it's, he's out there in the schoolyard just doing it with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. I know Tyreek was kind of quiet last night. But the Ravens were using Tyson Williams, Latavius Murray, and Devontae Freeman – and a beat-up O-line. And a beat-up O-line to run all over the Kansas City Chiefs. They could not stop them. And obviously that late fumble by Edwards Alaire cost them, but are you concerned about the Chiefs' D and their inability to stop the Ravens at any point yesterday, aside from a couple boneheaded throws by Lamar Jackson? Because, uh, yes, uh, but I also think that you're discounting the fact that Lamar Jackson is unbleeping believable. Mm. Yeah, defenses have figured him out. They could not stop him. Didn't look like it. it. They weren't keying on. How many runs up the middle did you see from Lamar Jackson? How many runs did you see starting up the middle? Do you know why they ran him up the middle? So that they would have to stay honest because they were keeping him in the pocket the entire time. I don't know if I've ever seen a back. Listen, my one of my first jerseys ever was Walter Payton. My second jersey ever was Barry Sanders. I am a fan of great backs. I don't know that I've ever seen a back make more people miss than Lamar Jackson makes miss, and he's a quarterback, yeah. not a running back. It's unbelievable what he does repeatedly, and to stay healthy while doing it is near almost as mind-blowing as Vladimir Guerrero hitting that many balls that hard. Yeah, almost, it, not quite. Not quite, <laughs> almost. And I, that's why I absolutely love... What, what Harbaugh did at the end of the yes. game. And for those who missed it, it's, it's fourth down. It's two yards to go. It's in a spot that not many people go for it. And he just yells out, Lamar, do you want to go for this? Amazing. And this is a team that has had their number. If you get this first down, the game is over. If you don't get it, you're giving it back to Patrick Mahomes and probably losing it. It is Almost near make or break, and I love the fact that Harbaugh just looked at his guy, said, I have faith in you, and they got it done. And it was fourth and one, call it a long one, on your own 43-yard line with 105 left. This is just the second time since 2000 that a team went for it on fourth down in their own territory during the final two minutes of a game yep. when leading by less than a field goal. Second time since 2000. They had the guts to do it, and they pulled it off, and I absolutely love it. This is this, and in week one, the Chargers let Justin Herbert throw it. I think it was eight times, and they were up four, and they iced the game. These, I think this is a new thing that we're starting to see in the National Football League where teams are having faith in their offense to get it done, yes. and I absolutely love it. The numbers support it a lot of times. I don't know about just that situation, but the numbers do. I think there's more guts. We're seeing more. Like we're, it's, Remember when it used to be three yards in a cloud of dust in the yes. National Football yep. League, and it was kind of sort of boring, and guys like me, I heard Stephen Brunt talking about this earlier today. 
guys like me who grew up in the CFL too were like, this is boring. Mm-hmm. This three yards class. It's not like that anymore. Yeah. There's a bunch of really good quarterbacks slinging it around, and they're letting guys like Lamar Jackson be Lamar Jackson, and it's exciting as hell to watch. So that's that to me was among the more um, impressive things, though I will say Derrick Henry. Yeah. The beast is back. Oh, my God. That was a performance. Rich Gannon, a little later on, we're going to talk about Henry, we're going to talk about Jackson, and we're going to talk about taunting and how ridiculous this has become in the national football. That was my next question because I saw your Twitter feed. I, I, I know what's up. I, I monitor what you're saying over the weekends, and the taunting's a problem. Eight taunting taunting penalties in the games or problems. It is yeah, a I think there is one or two that I would be okay with, but it's just overzealous referees. We'll Should get into fun. it. Yeah. Rich Gannon, former NFL MVP, will join us to discuss all of those NFL talking points. Buck Martinez, ahead of the Jays and Rays. And I don't know when I say it, why I gotta say Buck Martinez, but I do have to say Buck Martinez. And up next, we caught up with Jack Hughes at the NHL Media Day. We'll get his take on the Devils offseason moves and his reaction to his brother, Luke getting drafted by the team and his other brother, Quinn's contract talks with the Canucks. Tim and friends on a Monday. Let's do this, kids. Right center field, Buxton back, and it's gone! Blue Jays have now won seven consecutive series and 18 of their last 22 games. Henry trying to turn it on, inside the 30, stays on his feet, and he will go! Our announcers allowed to clap. I would like to clap for that game. That was something else. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. I'm the only guy in town wearing tight pants. I got my tight pants. I got my tight pants on. I'm the guy, guy wearing tight pants. I got my tight pants. I got my tight pants on. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Tim McAuliffe, Jesse Rubinoff here with you. More Jays coming up in a flash. Also more NFL with Rich Gannon. But NHL camps opening across North America this week. Game one of the preseason Saturday. In preparation, we did a bunch of interviews during the NHL media days in Toronto and Chicago. And if you missed any of our interviews, Austin Matthews, Darnell Nurse, Thatcher Demko, Zach Hyman, Mark Stone, check them out on our page the Sportsnet YouTube channel. We also caught up with the Devils' Jack Hughes to talk about mini stick styles, the hockey family, and some interesting insight on his brother Quinn's contract negotiations with the Canucks. I'm wearing different clothes because it's from last week, so no need to Jack Hughes. It's me and Jack Hughes. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Plays it across, shot by Hughes, he scores! There's number one for number one! He is going to be their main guy. Make no mistake, with the skill he has, he is going to grow into a star in this league. He's a guy that can score in many ways. Pick number one overall for a reason. They got a good player in Jack Hughes. You think you have him under wraps, and before you know it, he's off to the races and creating opportunities with his speed. Devils expecting wonderful things from Jack Hughes. 
I'm joined now by the Devils, Jack Hughes. He, of course, of the Hockey Hughes. Jack, thanks so much for doing this, and welcome to Tim and Friends. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. I'm going to talk Devils. I'm going to talk from a sophomore to a junior. That's a big year. Uh, maybe Dougie, but the family is fascinating to so many people. Do you ever get tired of talking about how skilled your family is? Uh, <laughs> I mean... A bit, yeah. um, but you know what? It is what it is. It's a very, it's a really cool story, really special. Um, it's not often. I think we're the first family to have three brothers taken in the, in the top ten picks. You know, so it's a uh, incredible achievement to our parents and uh, really special. So it uh, just shows how much hard work they put into us and and how much they sacrificed. Okay, then I won't spend too much time on it. But growing up, I was the youngest of four boys in a somewhat oh, athletic family. Nowhere near what you dudes were. But I understand <laughs> how uh, steel sharpens steel. What was better or slash worse, the road hockey games or the mini stick games? Man, we had some, we had some crazy mini stick games <laughs> yes. back in the day. You know, it's three boys. You know how it is if you grew up with bros. Yeah. Uh, you're all, you always have buddies at the house, so three guys turns into like eight guys real quick, you know. Um, so we had some we had some crazy battles uh, when uh, when we were really young, and, and and Luke might have been the craziest of us, you know, running, <laughs> literally hitting guys through the wall. So um, I think you'd have to ask my mom one day, but I think we had some some crazy fights and definitely some crazy games in the basement. Mini sticks is the right answer because it's close quarters. And listen, like I know you're talking about Luke. I'm the youngest. And like people will say to me, like, what'd you learn from being the youngest of four boys? And all I'd say is how to take a punch. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I mean, well, we didn't even, it wasn't mini sticks like, uh, like you're up to your knee. Like we right. used to play with, uh, like, the, you know the ones from Canadian Tire that go up to, like, your chest? Oh, I see. I like floor the, the hockey plastic sticks. Ones. So yeah. We, yeah, we used, we used to give it real hard with those and, and curve them on the stove. Yes. Uh, so we had some, we had some crazy memories, memories there. And, and Luke was, uh, Luke could take me back in the day when he had a screw loose, but I, I think I could take him now. That's awesome. Uh, as the youngest, I know what the screw loose means, and so does most of the staff working around me right now. So, so there's love, there's, there's rivalry, and when Luke gets drafted by the Devils, it all comes out. Like, what was that moment like? Yeah, I mean, uh, like the day after, I was kind of embarrassed with my reaction, but <laughs> at the end of the day, man, like, I don't think people get how special it is. Um, you know, it's so hard to do. So many stars have to align. Like, it's, it's almost impossible to get drafted to the same team as your bro, um, especially when he's, when he's such a high prospect, you know? So, like, for him to go fourth overall, for us to have the fourth pick, it's just, uh, it's crazy. It's a crazy, it's crazy how it happened. So, I mean, I didn't think it would happen. That's why I was so fired up. And, man, what a, what a feeling that was, though. That was unbelievable. So you didn't know they were taking Like, honestly, I love the reaction. I don't care. I'm tight with my brothers. Yeah. Uh, I love the re You had no idea they were taking them? No, I had not a clue. Like, yeah. the room was so nervous, man. <laughs> like, first pick, we were all just clapping a bit. Second yeah. pick, clapping. Third pick. And then after the third pick, the whole room was just quiet. Like, like I had a couple buddies there. I took videos of, uh, of, like, from his view, what happened in the whole room. Just, like, 
like the roof could have popped off the place, you know. So yeah, I think uh, everyone was pretty fired up, and then then we got celebrating. So it was a lot of fun. Awesome. What's it like to have a brother in the system, and do you allow yourself to kind of think about playing with him in the show? Yeah, I mean, like it's the show, like you said, it's it's what we dream of, you know. So it's um, I think the only time I've ever played with Luke was uh, St. Francis of Assisi, our, our our Catholic uh, elementary school. I think that's the only time we're D partners there. So, um, I mean, it's it's special. I think he's a year or two away still. Mm-hmm. He's going to uh, work on his game at Mesh for a year or two, and then and then we'll see. But you know, it's it's awesome. And you know, even though he's my brother, I think he's going to help our team a lot in the future. You know, he's a a big puck moving D, six two that can skate, long stick. So, I mean, as much as I wanted him as a person, I thought he'd He'd help our team as a player, and, and I think I'm I think I'm right on that one. Awesome. Uh, Quinn in Vancouver is waiting on a deal, and don't worry, I'm not going to ask for the inside track. No matter how many Canucks fans tweet yeah. into the show, I will leave that alone. But does seeing what he's going through right now make you think about your own extension, or can you just focus on hockey right now? Yeah, just for me, I think I'm just going to focus on the game. Let that, let my, let my playing do the talking. Um, see how the year goes. But you know, Quinn, he he's deserved the money he should get. Um, you know, he's had two pretty pretty good years. I know last year, he uh, people were talking about his defense and and his dashes. But you know, when you play on one of the worst teams in the division and in the league, um, that's bound to happen. So. Uh, I think he's just waiting now. I know, I know he loves Vancouver and he wants to he wants to play there, but but the number has to be right. So uh, we'll see we'll see when that gets done. Awesome. So let's talk about you guys. And in talking to guys in the past, I'm already I'm 45. Come after me, I'm a man. Uh, rookie year can feel like a whirlwind. Uh, you begin to settle in year two, and year three is when you start to feel like you belong and you can get back to being you. Is that is that just hockey cliche stuff or? Did you feel like that immediately? Does this sound about right? Oh, yeah, I think to a degree. I mean, um, every year you're supposed to pop, uh, get to a new level, get better. So I don't know if it's um, a a transgressional thing where it happens for everyone, but I think every year everyone pops and gets uh, a lot better. So for me, I think a lot of people are expecting me to break out and have a big-time year. So... And I'm uh, expecting nonetheless. So um, I'm excited and I feel ready to go. And I'm, I'm in a good spot mentally. And uh, it's going to be a good, fun year. Awesome. I, the thing I like about you, like I like your game. A lot of skill, but also like a ton of vision and sense of the game. Did it take you a while to adjust to the speed and skill of the game at the highest level, considering that your game is kind of hockey IQ based? Yeah, I mean, my first year... Uh, um, I struggled. Like I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna tiptoe around it. Like I wasn't very good. Uh, I was 18. I was undersized. I wasn't very strong. But put in a lot of work over the quarantine and, and over that time. Um, and it led to my second year. And you know, at times I dominated in my second year and, and was a uh, a pretty high end player. So aside from points aside, I thought I had an unbelievable year. Um, and this is a year if I just continue that game and and start to finish off some of my plays that I could be a top player. Last one for you here. Uh, obviously, it's been, I think, one playoff series in nine years 
in New Jersey. You guys just add Dougie Hamilton. Does it feel like you're, there's an investment here and you're ready to turn that corner? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, the, the management and the ownership group has a lot of faith in, in our young core. Uh, guys like me, Nico, Blackie, Smith. Um, and then now they're, now they're starting to spend some money and bring, bring some pieces in. So, you know, they want to win, we want to win. Um, so, I mean, we're going to take a step, a step this year. You know, we got a tough division, but we should be, we should be playing some important hockey uh, down the stretch, and, and that's our goal. So, whether it's playoffs or not, we want to make the playoffs, but we want to, uh, we want to give ourselves a chance and, uh, and have a really successful year this year. Hey, this was awesome. Thanks for catching up. I think I got to move my kids off the mini sticks to perhaps the floor <laughs> hockey sticks just to, uh, to emulate the Hughes family. Really appreciate yeah. you doing this, and hopefully you can do it again down the road. All right, all right, Sid. Sounds good. Thanks, man. No problem, Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. Uh, listen, I enjoyed that. I know that there's a lot of feedback on what he said about Quinn and the Canucks. We'll get to that and your thoughts next. Plus here from Jonathan Drouin next on Tim and Friends. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Honestly, when we did the Jack Hughes interview, I, I realized what he said may draw some ire from Canucks fans. However, I didn't think he'd be trending in Canada because of what he said about the Canucks and his brother Quinn. Yeah, I mean, we might have had something to do with that. We did tweet out and Instagram out the quote about his brother, Jack Hughes, on criticisms of brother Quinn in Vancouver. Quote, when you play on one of the worst teams in the league, that's bound to happen. So, as you can imagine, Timmy, the people were fired up mm -hmm. one way or another. King Dad Bod, Jack Hughes, is throwing all the rocks from his glass Sorry, house. King Dad Bod, yeah, really? I mean, does, that, does that take away credibility because it's, it's no, King Dad Bod? No, it might actually gain points. Right. Uh, R says, Jack don't know Jack. Okay. He does realize he plays for the Devils, right? Ha, ha, ha. These boys are funny when they do interviews. Only mature Hughes is Quinn. Okay, but did he ever say in the interview, the entire contextual interview, and I know that 2021 does not need context, but he never misrepresented what the Devils were or, in fact, what he was, right? Like, he said, I wasn't good. To like, he was critical of himself and then went on to say, but we tweeted out one caption, people read the caption, probably don't even listen to the clip, and then just fire away. Because what did he say that was unfair in the clip? I don't know. Nothing to me. Did the Canucks not finish last in the division? Now, there are a lot of circumstances that led to the Canucks finishing last in the North. But they finished last in the North. Well, he's not saying the Devils are better than the Canucks. It's he not never said that. It was a question about his brother, his right. older brother. And he's defending his older brother by he trying was, to help him in negotiations. He was defending his older brother's Plus minus. Yes. That's all he was doing. Yes. He said, I know a lot of people are talking about his slash, which is his minus, but when the team's minus 37 and you play that many minutes, you're going to have a tough time, which is why some people don't believe in plus minus. Has a lot of vibes with uh, Brady Kachuk and Matthew Kachuk. Yes. From last week, right? <laughs> yes, it what, does. It does. And I'm not saying like you can't be critical of Jack Hughes for what he said. He's a grown-ass man or pretty damn close to a grown-ass man. But I don't think that he 
lie. I don't think there was any. He didn't say the Devils were better than the Canucks, which is what this is turning into on Twitter. Like, I, I mean, I got one from uh, Alex. You play on the Devils who aren't much better, LOL. Like, you obviously didn't watch the whole interview, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not entirely one-sided. Like, I have one from Chris who says, Relax, Canucks fans. It's not a personal attack on you. Jack is stating facts. Being on a bad team does negatively affect one's stats. Could Quinn have helped the team be a bit better? Sure. And I think that's the point. I think what people are frustrated with is that if the Devils were better and Jack Hughes was in a better situation, he would be he would have more ground to stand on when it comes to... But that's not... Criticizing that's, anyone. That's a false equivalency. But this is this is what happens. This is the, this is the world we live in now. I know, but I'm trying to tell you, <laughs> given the context, you are making false equivalency. Here, Ryan writes in, and here's this is closer to what I believe. People are actually getting pressed. He called a bad team bad. They were bad last year. Yes. I'm a huge fan of where the Canucks are going. I think they have the ability and they will probably push through, as I mentioned to you last week, in what will be a weaker Pacific division and given a year up so long as they sign Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. But they were a bad team last year. Yeah. And there were extenuating circumstances beyond their control to the nth degree. Totally. But that doesn't change the fact that they finished behind the Sens last year. I know you're trying. That tr- happened. I, I, know, I know you're trying to be rational with this. I, I totally get that. But based on what I'm seeing, the argument's not going to hold water. Because the people are yeah. just not the, happy the argu- with what Jack Hughes had to say. No, the argument is lost all of its context because of the quote that we put right. up there. Okay. And I'm going to be honest. Like... The quote that we put up there is all people are reading right now. Right. They didn't see the whole interview. And I like if we asked everyone, truth serum, did you listen to the clip? Probably not. They saw the headline. What? 50% they maybe see- listened to the entire yeah. clip? Yeah. They right. saw the quote. And that's that. Any more there? Yeah, one more. So, uh, me off? Name cannot be <laughs> blanked. And this is why I say <laughs> most people are, are skewing one direction. I guess he would know a terrible team when he sees one. 52 likes. I mean, that one's got a lot of traction in the Twitter responses. So. I'll listen to that. That's it's, a bit of a chuckle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. That's, but that, like, that's funny. The part that bugs me is the rest of the interview, he was really honest and truthful and fun, even though that he didn't funny. know my name. I'm okay with it. Like, <laughs> And he was tough on himself. Great point. Which provides context when he's saying that the team was bad last year. He said he wasn't good enough. So he struggled. Struggled yeah. year one. Yeah, Yeah. it's a good point. All right, uh, listen, NHL training camp's opening this week. There'll be plenty of talk because we're Canadian. A lot of eyes on the Habs after making uh, the cup final unexpectedly. Last season, they did it without Jonathan Drouin, who was out of the lineup after April. Now, he's been skating with the Habs in their rookie camp and is expected to be full participant at training camp. Tonight, in the interviews he did on RDS and TVA, Drouin opened up about the issues that he's been dealing with that kept him out of the lineup. Here's some of his conversation with our friend Renaud Lavoie of TVA Sport. Tout, le, tout au long de l'année, j'ai eu des problèmes d'anxiété, des problèmes de, d'insomnie. Ça fait plusieurs années que je dealais avec ça. Um, mais cette semaine-là, pour moi, c'était une semaine qui était difficile. J'ai été tombé malade. Um, j'avais aucune énergie pour jouer au hockey. Je me rappelle quand je suis sorti du warm-up cette journée-là encore. Um, Aucune énergie pour jouer au hockey, aucune force dans mon, dans mon physique, mentalement aussi. This one isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Because pressure is, without a doubt, a part of the game. However, if teams 
figure out how to help players deal with the pressures and the anxieties and the depression that can come with playing at a high level in front of all of these people, they're going to get a lot further totally. as a franchise. Totally. And so this one is really interesting to me, and I don't know if there's an easy answer on it. No, I think we're seeing more and more throughout sports athletes are speaking up when they're dealing with the pressures and anxieties of being an athlete constantly in the spotlight. And that is a good thing because, you know, you talk about it, people understand it more, they learn more about it, they educate themselves, and that can only serve to help people. If you keep it silent, that's when more problems arise, right? It's just tough. Like, Sid and I, when he was traded to Montreal, were like, wait a second, they're going to try and make him the number one center Mm -hmm. in his home province where they need centers. Like, it just seemed like a ton of pressure to heap onto the kid. And the proof was in the pudding. Like, he couldn't handle it. And maybe if teams figure out how to do this a little bit better, they can get more out of their athletes and obviously a skilled kid like Jonathan Drouin. All right, time for a break. When we come back, we'll get into Jay's pregame mode. Robbie Ray and his tight pants are on the mound for the Jays, opening a series in Tampa against the Rays. We'll head to the trop, check in with Arash Medani, and be joined by Buck Martinez ahead of his call of the game tonight. Tim and Friends continues on a Monday, live from Portsmouth. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Sheepdogs are really good human beings. Back here, hour number two, and Tim and friends, full hour on Sportsnet 360. Rich Gannon will join the fray at around 6.30 Eastern as we discuss week two in the National Football League. Just the next half hour on Sportsnet as game night begins, as always, with Tim and friends. Blue Jays Central will take over in a half an hour's time. Buck Martinez coming up in mere moments from now as the Jays open up a three-game set in Tampa against the Rays. Arash Madani is down at the Trop covering the series, and we check in with him now. What's the latest, Arash? Yeah, Timmy, they are rolling, coming into what has been a house of horrors for the Blue Jays in the past, but it's Robbie Ray getting the start tonight, and Charlie Montoya was just telling me a little while ago, give him the Cy Young Award because no pitcher has had three different home stadiums when it comes to the Cy Young conversation, and that the ball was flying all over the place in Dunedin and Buffalo, and and it has been for this Blue Jays offense. No team in baseball has hit more bombs or has a higher OPS. Bo Bichette said, I'm not a home run hitter, except no shortstop in franchise history has had more than the 26 that Bo has so far this season. Now, as for this series, there is a question about Wednesday's starter because Hunjin Ryu, of course, just went on the injured list yesterday. A few different scenarios at play. Could be Ross Stripling, could be an opener and then Ross Stripling, or Thomas Hatch is here. He's on the taxi squad. Could be a combo of Stripling and Hatch on Wednesday. Uh, One of the few questions, Timmy, for a team that has had a whole pile of answers of late. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, 15 and 3 in September. Those are a lot of answers. Merci, Rash June, as mentioned. Robbie Ray and those tight pants. Okay, I'm just going to say the tight pants part. On the mound against Shane Boz making his major league debut for the Rays. Boz, the third piece along with Tyler Glasnow 
and Austin Matt Meadows, excuse me, in that absolute thievery that the Rays sent Chris Archer to the Pirates for. Could be one of the most lopsided trades in sports history. Tomorrow it's Alec Manoa, while Arash mentioned still TBD for the Jays on Wednesday in Hyunjin Ryu's usual spot. One other pitching note, the Rays put one of their top relievers, Andrew Kittredge, on the IL today with neck tightness. Got it, Gooden, since you understood. Here's the Jays lineup against the Boz tonight. George Springer will lead off and DH usual scary hitters, two to five spots. Alejandro Kirk will catch Ray, bat six. Guriel hits seventh. Randall Grichuk eighth plays center. Jake Lamb not eligible for the playoff roster, but plays third and bats nine tonight. Meanwhile, Rays line up like this. Yandy Diaz leads off. Nelson Cruz is the DH. Randy Arozarena in the three-hole, followed by Manuel Margot. Still no wonder Franco won't play in this series. He's beginning a rehab assignment. May be back at the end of the week. So Robbie Ray faces the Rays. And Charlie Montoya wants to see his guys like Ray take home some awards. I think the, the chances of, in my opinion, of course, I'm biased because I see them every day. But they, to me, they're favorites, honestly, because everything we've gone through, you know, Robbie Ray is pitching Donizan, he's pitching Buffalo. He's been everywhere. You know, they moved three times, Vlad the same way, you know, first full year. 22 years old, you know, when you're talking about, when you're talking about Bland, now you're talking about Joe DiMaggio and names like that are coming out, you know. So, uh, of course, I'm biased, but uh, he deserves to win the MVP. And, of course, Manoa, if he would have been here earlier, like you just said, he's, he's been great. He's, he's been a, a, a big part of this, you know. Every time he pitches, we have a good chance to pit and to win, and he's been great. He is going to make some cash. Uh, Red Sox off tonight. Meantime, Jays enter the night. A game and a half up on the Yankees. They host Texas with Nestor Cortez Jr. on the mound against A.J. Alexi. Impressive in his first two starts before getting knocked around last time out. Mariners and A's start a four-game series. The A's currently just two games back of the Jays, while Seattle four games back and will need a serious run to be a factor down the stretch. A's pretty big favorites with Sean Manea on the mound tonight. Earlier in the show, we were talking about Vladdy Jr.'s triple crown case. Well, his task just got tougher. Salvador Perez homering a short time ago, game one of a doubleheader. It is his 46th time with Vladdy Jr. atop the major league lead. You okay, Jesse? This guy doesn't stop. No, he does not stop. It's unbelievable what Big Sal is doing. Uh, and we're going to talk to another catcher from Casey in a flash. Uh, he now has 115 RBI, 10 more than Vladdy at this juncture in time. It has turned into like a three-week playoff. Jays, Bo Sox, Yankees fighting for two spots. Throw the A's in there, and I'm not counting them out by any stretch, but I'm here for all of it. This is, in my humble opinion, when baseball is at its best, which is why my generation and beyond still talk about 1987 Jays, Tigers, and why simply the year is pretty damn close to a cuss word for many of the Jays who were on that team. Maybe if they had my next guest for one more year, it wouldn't have happened. Buck Martinez joins me now. Uh, what were you thinking one year removed from that club back in 87 as the Jays and Tigers battled it out to the end? You know, Tim, quite honestly, that was the only time that I really thought I should still be playing. 
in Detroit after Ernie got hurt. Remember, Ernie Witt got hurt sliding yes. into second base and hurt his rib, and Greg Myers had to catch that final series in Detroit, and uh, I would have been catching that game had I still been playing, but I was too old to play by then anyway. But, yeah, that was a terrific series. Obviously, a lot of back and forth and a heartbreaking loss on Sunday, but uh, it was a terrific uh, final season series in Detroit, and I think we're going to have something similar to that down the stretch here. Yeah, you've seen some baseball in your time. Are you with me on this? It used to be the pennant race when it went down to the wire, and there were a couple of teams involved. Now the wild card race is emulating that. Like to have this many teams, and I'll put the A's in a four teams, two spots. It's just so much fun. You know, it is fun, and I like it. And I was against it initially, but I think now I would like to see the wild card game turn into a three-game series. Mm. I think then you get an honest assessment of what the teams are all about. And, you know, you'd hate to see the Dodgers and the, and the Giants knocked out after one game, after the two great seasons they have put together. And then, too, with the yeah. Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Red Sox, you'd like to have a two-out-of-three series to decide who advances into that next round of division series playoffs. I guarantee if it was Boston and New York every time, Major League Baseball would definitely make it a best of three <laughs> series. Listen, I, I heard you say something in the middle of the broadcast. don't know if it was uh, Saturday or Sunday, but you said something like, these Jays kids are growing up, and when they mature, we might see something from one or more of them that is absolutely special, like a really special season that we've never seen before. And you said not just Blue Jays seasons but anyone ever. And you said it way more eloquently than I just did. But it stopped me in my <laughs> tracks. Do you think what the Jays have on their hands is that special? Yes, I do. I, I certainly do. And I've got some experience in watching young players develop. I was in Milwaukee with Robin Yount and Paul Molitor. I saw George Brett in Kansas City at a very young age. And I was with Bell Barfield and Mosby with the Blue Jays. So I've seen young players and how they develop. And I think what we're seeing with these guys right now, with Vladdy and Bo and Teoscar, I'm not going to rule him out because I think he's only going to get better as well. But when you look at what Vladdy is doing right now and then think about the fact that he's 22 years old I mean he doesn't even know how good he is yet and he certainly doesn't know the league as well as he will and once he does that I think he's just going to explode and I think Bo Bichette's going to have multiple batting titles I think he's the type of guy that once he understands that you don't have to hit everything that's coming at you you only have to hit the good pitches Bo loves to swing the bat there's no question about that and he does it pretty darn well he's got 97 RBIs I mean this team is going to have four guys with 100 ribbies and that's unheard of of. But when you think of Vladdy and Bo at 22 and 23, respectively, they're just learning how to play. You know what? A great hitting coach in Baltimore, Terry Crowley, always told me the barometer for what you have in a player is 1,500 at bats, and it makes a lot of sense. 500 at bats in rookie season, the league adjusts to you in the next 500 at bats, and then you adjust to the league in that third 500 at bats, and that's pretty much what you have. But when you look at these guys and what they've been able to do this season, and, you know, they both had their moments where there was a little bit of a valley, yep. and then they came right back to the peak once again. But I think when they really understand what pitchers are trying to do to them and they really know every pitcher in the league, they're going to put up some terrific numbers. Only two teams since the turn of the century have had four players with 100-plus RBI on them. 2003 Braves, 2000 Angels. It is definitely uh, some very elite, elite-level stuff. Listen, I, I'm, I'm big on savoring the moment, not getting too far ahead 
and, and frankly, that's when I get in trouble. But I said last week, best thing to do when it's raining is let it rain. And I spit out my coffee reading some of the Vladdy stats. Like, I don't know what makes me chuckle more. The fact that he's had more home runs than K's over his last 21 games or this stat. And I'm going to read it to you. Uh, I got it from Chris Black, who does some work on our Blue Jays broadcast. But uh, this is the number of balls hit harder than 110 miles per hour off the bat. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. since last Sunday has had eight of them, Buck. The only team in Major League Baseball that's had more is the New York Yankees. He's had more than every other team combined since last Sunday. Like, I don't say this often without, like, a little wink here, but it's truly unbelievable. Well, you know what? Uh, They used to talk about Babe Ruth in that same fashion when he would have more home runs than an entire team. And now Vladdy's making contact. And he deserves a lot of credit because when we were out on the West Coast, when they were playing Seattle and Anaheim, he was down. He wasn't swinging the bat very well. But at the end of that series in Seattle, he started taking batting practice flat-footed, just trying to hit the ball over the second baseman's head. And when he did that, that got him back on track. And when he's hitting the ball back up the middle to the opposite field with power, then those home runs come to left field because he can wait, and he knows that he can wait as long as possible and trust his hands to get to anything inside. But you've seen it. We've all seen it. Nobody's challenging him. Nobody's pitching him inside. And lately, he's not getting much to hit. And to his credit, a young player, he is not chasing numbers. He's not chasing hits. He's not chasing RBIs. And he's not chasing home runs. If it's not there, he takes ball four, passes it on to Bo. That's the sign of a good young team player. He understands. And to him, winning is more important than winning titles. I just I just admire the young man. He's done a heck of a job. Yeah, if you, if you look at the numbers over those last 21, he's got 10 home runs, 14 RBIs. They're not giving him anything to hit, especially if there's anyone on base. It's unbelievable. I still think Shohei is the MVP, uh, but I was offered a payout on a bet, Buck, that I had for <laughs> Otani. I bet Otani at 25-1 to 1 for MVP, and they offered me 90% on it, and I took it because I was getting a little nervous that Vladdy might make a game of this. Who, who do you think is the MVP, and do you think that's different than who do you think will win the MVP? Yes, exactly. And once again, it's it's uh, who is the most valuable or who is the most outstanding. And and Shoei might be the most outstanding player because he's pitching and he's hitting and he's doing it at a pretty high rate in both categories. But when you think about the impact Vladi has had on his team, I think there's no question Vladi has a more dramatic impact on the Blue Jays than Shoei has had on the Angels. And then the people will say, well, he doesn't have the same players around him. I will argue that Vladdy Guerrero's presence in the lineup makes everybody around him better. Maybe mm. It's incredible. And, you know, Mike Trout's been a great player for a long time, but he hasn't had the same impact on his team the way Vladdy has. And Vladdy's had – look at Marcus Simeon. He's got 40 home runs hitting in front of Vladdy. Yeah. And it's not an accident. He's got a lot of three-and-two home runs because they know Vladdy's on deck and he's going to come right after him. And you know what? Not to take anything away from the guys around Vladdy, but because he has had so much attention and so much focus on him throughout his career, and now he's finally living up to all those great expectations, everybody around him, front of the lineup, back behind him, they're all benefiting from it. Because if he doesn't 
get a pitch to hit. He's on base for the guys behind him, Bo and Teoscar, and uh, he's he's had a tremendous impact on this team. Yeah, and that's why we'll end up with that, or we should end up with that four players to 100 RBI. It's unbelievable. So if Vladdy's right there for the MVP, is Robbie Ray going to win the AL Cy Young? Yes. Yeah. He's going to win it for a couple of reasons, and – you know, in the last several seasons, in the last 21 years, when a pitcher has led his league in strikeouts and ERA, 18 times he's won the Cy Young Award in that league. And that goes back to 1985 and Doc Gooden. But when you look at what he has done in all the categories, he's first in ERA, first in strikeouts, first in opponent's batting average, and first in whip. And you know what? He missed his first start and took him a couple starts to get going. But because he started the last game of the first half and the first game of the last half, tonight he will match all the leaders in games started. This will be his 30th start. And like I said, he has not lost an ounce off his pitches from the first pitch to the last pitch. And you just look what he's done in his last six starts. And look at the bottom line. 66 strikeouts and seven walks. Generally, when you get a guy striking out a lot of people, he's going to have an assorted walk here and there, and it's going to be a much different ratio, but not for Robbie Ray. His opponent's batting average is under 200. His whip is under one. Everything about him has been Cy Young caliber, and I think he's going to win the Cy Young Award. And just, you know, if he pitches like Robbie Ray has uh, for the next two starts, I think he wins it. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, last one here. Ray's... Ray is facing the Rays top. Don't that, don't say that a lot tonight, okay? <laughs> Ray is facing the Rays top pitching prospect. Though you're better than me. Uh, this this is really interesting. Shane Boz is one of three pieces that they got for Chris Archer, Tyler Glasnow, and Meadows, and this kid. Like, it, it seems like a lot of folks think that Boz has something here, doesn't he? Yeah, he's pretty special, and you know what? He had a chance to pitch in the Futures game. He pitched in the Olympics. He was rooming with David Robertson, uh, who's a veteran pitcher on the Rays now, and, and he's ready for this. And like he said, I've been meant to be a pitcher since I was five. Got all the pitches, got the composure. Everybody I talk to thinks that he's going to be very special, and he throws 100. But watch how easy he throws 100. I had one of the big scouts, Dan Jennings of the Nationals, tell me he throws 100 like he's playing catch and we're going to see that tonight and uh, that's quite a compliment from Jennings who's been a GM and a scout forever he said this guy gets to 100 easier than anybody's ever seen uh, one thing about the Jays they can hit that fastball it'll be a hell of a, a lot of fun to watch tonight uh, have a great call and try and stay away from what I just did with Ray and the Rays <laughs> though I think you'll be able to handle it I appreciate it. You have a great night. <laughs> you too. There is uh, Buck Martinez. He will be on the call tonight. The pregame to the pregame underway. We'll keep talking. Jays going a little closer with Robbie Ray's Cy Young Quest. And he's got his tight pants on. Uh, we'll get closer to Blue Jays Central. Jamie and Joe will take over Jays Rays on Sportsnet. Coming up. Nobody in the game has been more dominant than Robbie Ray. He is among the elite pitchers in the game going right now. This wild card race is as tight as Robbie Ray's pants. Can't argue that point, can you? I'm the only guy in town wearing tight pants. I got my tight pants. I got my tight pants on. He's pitching with so much confidence, and his presentation on the mound is very positive.
he's just been out there strong as an ox every five days all season long. Everybody's talking about a Robbie Race just had a fantastic season. I don't think there's any question top three finisher for the American League Cy Young Award. I'm the only one in this town that can wear tight pants. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? <laughs>
wasn't an all-star. It's crazy. You know why? I mean, he could have been an all-star, but you know why he's the Cy Young Award winner? Because his second half has been so good that he wasn't an all-star, and yet you look at the numbers right now and you go, yeah, that's probably your Cy Young Award winner. Totally. It's and crazy. Don't you think it's crazy that Hinged Ryu goes on the, the IL now with neck issues? Yeah. And somehow, just because of the success that the pitching rotation has had, anchored yeah. by Robbie Ray, yeah. it's like, okay, like, he'll come back when start. he needs to come back yeah. and he misses a start, it's fine. But that is a result of the confidence that everybody now has in this rotation that starts with Ray, the commitment in the offseason that he made. And the guy's relentless now. He just hammers fastballs, hammers sliders, dares people to hit it, and they can't do it. Well, how about Jose Barrios? I mean, when, when they made the deal... There was some people wondering if they gave up too much. Qualify that now with his last five starts and think about what Pittsburgh gave up for Chris Archer. And we're about to see it in Boz, yeah. Meadows, and Glass now for Archer, who they got six wins total out of over two years. Crazy. Yeah. And Barrios has been really good lately. Like, at, at what point do you say, because the Blue Jays are now in September, they're competing for a playoff spot? Barrios has been fantastic lately. At what point do you say the Jays win that deal irrespective of what happens with nah, the two other guys? You right? gotta wait. Because if you, you get if you get to the playoffs, if and you Barrios win the World Series, you can you can just say you have to wait. They could be all stars, they could be perennial, they could be MVP. You don't know that right now. That's prospects. That's true. But what I will say to that is is you look at the success that the team had in 2015 and 2016 and how the guys on that team are so revered, and they're not there yet. But if they get to that level, there's like this aura and mystique around yeah, the 2015 no, and 2016 teams, and they only made it where they made it. They didn't make it to the World Series, right? So if you get there and Barrios is a big part of that, then I think some fans will be willing to overlook what happens with Martin and Woods Richardson moving forward. No, but what Shapiro and Atkins looked at was a really good team that they wanted to take advantage of, and to get that deal done, yes. they had to give up what they gave up, and that was two of their top prospects to get it done. And now you're seeing the dividends of what they did, the guts that they had to make that call. And by the way, um, if you like, I heard Alejandro Kirk talking about Ray is one of the leaders of this team. He's doing the tight pants thing for Jay's Care Foundation. By the way, we've had a lot of fun with the tight pants yeah. thing. If you want, head to 500level.com. All of the proceeds go to the Jay's Care Foundation. Maybe. So have more fun with this tight pants thing. Because, but is there a chance, and we only have 30 seconds here, and I don't want to put you in a tough spot, but could all of this mean or lead to the idea that he might be sticking around after this year? Given that he has embraced this team so much over the last little while, it, it seems yeah, it and seems the like Jay's it would, Care Foundation thing. It, like it seems like it would be a conversation because if you bring back a lot of the pieces that you have this year, the core is so young. This team clearly, with him there, can compete for some years ahead. So I think it's worth a conversation. And if for he's sure. working into that leadership role yeah. on this young team, I mean, you can make a run for a long no time. Doubt. But it's going to take some cash, <laughs> just a little bit. Some cash. <laughs> All right, time now to send you to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. My friends and yours, Jamie and Joe, standing by to take you up until first pitch. As for us, we'll continue on Sportsnet 360. Rich Gannon, talk all things NFL week number two and what a week it was. We'll do that next. Back in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. As for Sportsnet, enjoy Blue Jays Central. is gone. 
sprinter speed. You might never see this season a better hard-earned run by a running back in the NFL. Wilson has time. Taking a deep shot. Wide open. And there he goes. Rockdale Brawler up game. Touchdown, Arizona. Wow. This kid here, he's a natural. Henry trying to turn it on. Inside the 30. Tennessee Titans. Zerline's kick. Is it long enough? It is into the net for the victory. Oh, my goodness, he missed it. Unbelievable. And the Cardinals survive. Keeping himself untouched into the end zone. Ball's out. Oh, look, ball is out. He lost it. Who has it? Baltimore. Lamar Jackson is going back on the field, and they are going for it. And Jackson will get the first down. Are announcers allowed to clap? I would like to clap for that game. That was something else. Yep, we're allowed to clap, Mr. Collinsworth. What a week start to finish. I should probably wait for the Lions and the Packers tonight. Primetime games have lived up to the billing. We'll see if we get the same tonight in Green Bay. Speaking of prime time my next guest knows a little something about it after playing 18 seasons in the nfl former mvp rich gannon joins us for a little monday evening afternoon quarterback rich how are things and i hope you can hear me because i see that you're looking into the camera and you might not be able to hear me can you hear me no i think we're having audio issues i'm not hearing anything uh i can hear you can you hear me rich gannon now no he can't we'll we'll try and reestablish with Rich in a split second. Uh, Jesse, you are not a former NFL MVP. I not even oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. Come to me yeah, and to ask me. me the same questions as Rich. Rich, you can hear me now? I can, brother. Awesome. Good to talk to you, my friend. Sorry about the technical difficulties off no the top. No problem. All right, no let's, problem. Bre- let's break this down because I watched start to finish, and, and we'll wait on the Lions and the Packers tonight, but start to finish <laughs> a wonderful week. Who do you... Who do you think was most impressive? I wrote down Tom Brady might be playing the best football of his career, and that's saying something ridiculous at least through two weeks. Lamar Jackson was nearly unstoppable against the Chiefs last night, and Derrick Henry is an absolute beast. Which was most impressive to you? Well, I think you got to go with the 44-year-old, Tim. I just You look at Brady, five touchdowns. Uh, they've gone nine straight games, including the postseason, where they've scored 30 or more points. I mean, he's just... He's throwing the ball as well as he did when he's 24 years old. I mean, he's making it look so easy. He and Gronk. I mean, they're so talented at the skill positions. They've got a very good offensive line that keeps a, a quarterback that doesn't have great mobility at this point in his career. They keep him upright. And, of course, they've got one of the best defenses in football. It's the perfect combination. I just don't see anyone right now competing, especially in that division with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady at 44 is, a, is as good as it gets. How, like, if we stopped for a second, like, how ridiculous, if I had told you that anyone, I don't care if it's Tom Brady, anyone would be playing at this level at 42, at 44. I was going to undersell at 42. At 44 years old, what would you have told me? I wouldn't think it's possible, but, you know, it's, our game's different. Uh, yeah. The rules are, have changed, but you look at Brady, you got to give him credit. I mean, he takes unbelievably great care of himself. He, he goes to great lengths to, to, to talk about, you know, the soft tissue and the work that he does to keep his arm loose and limber and he's got a personal trainer 
Tim, some of these players nowadays are spending upwards of a quarter of a million dollars on their bodies. It's you know, if you're if you're a race car driver, you got to take care of your race your race engine and your car and your tires. Well, this is how Tom Brady makes his living, and he's taken unbelievably great care of himself, his legs, uh, his conditioning, his his arm, his nutrition. He is all in, and he's playing incredible football. All right, I thought I should have thrown. I mean, I have the former Raider guy on. Raiders are two and zero. Derek Carr leads the league in pass. I thought I should have thrown Derek Carr into that mix. Are you surprised that we're looking at a two and zero Raiders team? So this is a different Raiders team than we've seen in the past, and they get to start with their defense. I mean, their secondary is playing better, but I think it all starts with the quarterback car. He's shown great toughness, great poise. They're without two starters along the offensive line. They didn't have the Pro Bowl running back Josh Jacobs. The Pittsburgh Steelers went out of their way to take away Darren Waller, their best tight end, who was targeted 19 times, and all he did was just chuck balls down the field to Henry Ruggs. Carr has set a franchise record, most passing yards in two games. That's, that was a record that, that I held. But he's just playing so well. And I think the thing that's so impressive to me is his toughness and his maneuverability. I think you're seeing more movement in the pocket from Carr. He's playing his best football. Okay, so we look at that AFC West, and to me it seems like it's a little upside down. Broncos get the Jets next week. How much can momentum play a factor in the game of football? It feels to me like... You get off to a good start and you start believing it's different than, say, 162 in baseball or 82 in hockey or basketball. Like, it feels like if you can get off to a good start, sometimes that works uh, a magic on a team. Can it work magic in this division? It can. I think, you know, you look at the two best teams in the division, a lot of people would say, well, it's the Chiefs and the Chargers. And I think you look at the Raiders, I think they have to be in that conversation. You know, they're 2-0. I think, as I mentioned earlier, their defense, to me, is going to surprise some people. They're better in the secondary. They've got their six deep along the defensive line. Max Crosby's been outstanding. They're a little banged up in some key areas on the defensive side of the ball. But they played really good yesterday against Pittsburgh. And offensively, they've got a lot of playmakers. I mentioned Josh Jacobs, who didn't play yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in all of football. And I just think you look at that division, uh, you know, Justin Herbert didn't have his best day yesterday, although he still put up some big numbers. He threw two interceptions, one down the red zone. I think it's going to be a great race in the AFC West. Okay, so there's two things over the first two weeks that I absolutely love. One of them was uh, the Chargers allowing Herbert to throw eight times on the final drive in week one up four. Absolutely loved the aggressive, put it in the kid's hands as a sophomore. And yesterday... When Harbaugh yells out to Lamar and says, do you want to go for it? Like, to me, and I don't know if it's different for you as a quarterback, but to me, when Harbaugh looks out there and just says, you're my guy, do you want to do this? It, it spoke louder than words. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised when you look at the situation yeah. uh, when they went forward, fourth and one, uh, their own 43-yard line. If they, don't, if they don't make that first down, Tim, the game's over. You know that... Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to go down and kick a field goal. I think it shows great confidence in the quarterback, uh, obviously, who had a terrific night, Lamar Jackson. But I, I also think it shows great confidence from John Harbaugh's perspective and the, the opposing quarterback. They didn't yeah. want to put Patrick <laughs> Mahomes back out there on the field because they knew what the result was going to be, even against a pretty good Ravens defense. But, you know, Lamar Jackson was incredible. My only concern is he fumbled three times in the first game of the season. He lost two of them. He threw two interceptions again versus the Chiefs. He's got to get cleaned up the ball security. But otherwise, he's a dynamic playmaker, and Greg Roman deserves a lot of the credit. It's the way they utilize that, the personnel to run the football. Number one rushing team in football last year, 
Number one rushing team in football so far this season. Uh, two things. Without a doubt, Patrick Mahomes being on the other side of the ball had to do with that call because you're right. They don't get it. Uh, the jam is done. And, and the other part of this is you said it doesn't happen very often. How about this? Just the second time since 2000, a team went for it on fourth down in their own territory during the final two minutes of a game when they're leading by less than a field goal. That is, I, I love the fact that they went for that. Well, I think John Harbaugh's got that mentality. Yeah, he he does. doesn't want to take his best player off the field. I, I also think it, uh, you know, it, it talks a lot about the respect that he has for the opponent. But I think most coaches would have punted the ball in that situation. The Chiefs had no timeouts left. They would have been backed up in their own end, and they would have had to go, you know, the length of the field to kick a field goal uh, to, to go ahead. I just, I, I was surprised by the call, but I think it, you got to give John Harbaugh some credit. If he's going to go down, he's going to go down swinging. All right, so another stat that we had was since 1990, teams that have started the season 0-2 have made the playoffs just 11.6% of the time. So the Ravens avoid it. The Titans, Bills, and Cowboys all avoid 0-2 starts. Of the rest, the Titans, the Bills, and the Cowboys, do you think there's a real contender there? Well, I do. I mean, I think you look at the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they lose a heartbreaker. Yes, they, they miss a 37-yard field goal from Greg Jovis. Joseph at the end of the game. Uh, Carson Wentz, you know, he got hurt in that football game. But the Vikings really concern me, Tim, because of the play of their defense. They got gashed week one against the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray had a field day against them. And then even again yesterday, you know, I just think that, you know, they did not play particularly well. I'm talking about Joe Burrow, I'm sorry, week one. And then yesterday it was Kyler Murray. They did not play well. And that's very uncharacteristic for a Mike Zimmer coach defense. Kirk Cousins is playing well. He's completing over 70% of his passes. He's throwing five touchdowns and no picks. And, and Dalvin Cook's been good, but defensively, they aren't playing well right now. Joe Burrow got after him. Kyler Murray had a big day. They didn't tackle well. They had some communication errors and breakdowns in the secondary. I'm surprised the Vikings aren't playing better defensively. Uh, Jesse and I did our, our uh, picks before the season, and I took the Cardinals over win total at 8.5, and, and I did it despite the fact that I think that division could be the best in football and I did it because, for some reason, I believe in Kyler Murray. Like, I almost think we're seeing the, the next uh, – I'll pass, pass over the MVP to the other MVP. There feels like um, a little bit of Patrick Mahomes in Kyler Murray. Are you starting to see that? I know they got off to a good start last year, but is he starting to impress you that he might be able to take that next step this year? I think he plays in the best division in football right now. You look at the rest of those teams, and uh, look, I think Kyler Murray's terrific. He, he's so unique, Tim. They're just, there's just not a lot of quarterbacks like him. He's five foot ten. He's a dynamic playmaker. He, he's hard guy to sack. He's got great arm talent. He, he can make every throw. He's a difficult player to defend. You got to defend the entire field, and they've got so many weapons at the wide receiver position. They added AJ Green. They already have DeAndre Hopkins. They just have so many playmakers. Uh, I just think if he can stay healthy, he took a, he took a, you know, Daniel Hunter sacked him three times yesterday. Yeah. He's got to be able to stay healthy. I think he's not the biggest quarterback. Durability concerns uh, are, are an issue with him, but if they can keep him clean and they can keep him upright in the pocket, there's no reason why he can't have an MVP type season. He is that talented of a signal caller. Takes one to no one. Rich Gannon here on Tim and Friends. Before I let you go, last one for you. I understood what the NFL was attempting to do 
with the new taunting rules or at least the the idea that there is going to be an emphasis on the taunting rules but when you put it in the hands of the officials who by nature are letter of the law people we get into a situation where we're, we're regulating emotion in the game do you think that the league needs to change this rules and re- this rule and remember how reticent in the past they have been to change anything in the middle of a season well, it's a new rule and it's a point of emphasis. And anytime we have something like that, we see a, a higher percentage of these officiated early in the season until the league and the coaches and the owners get involved and say, hey, look, let's not, let's not get out of control. I think it, it, the idea was we don't want young players at the, at the Pop Warner level and in high school and in college to see this type of behavior and say, well, then, then it's okay. Like, we, don't, we don't want it. Our, our, our game doesn't need it. But when you have a guy who just gets up after a great play and he's celebrating and he's excited and you throw a flag, I mean, it's not, that's not the spirit of the rule. And so hopefully uh, the commissioner gets involved and we look at some of these calls. And, again, we have an NFL officiating tape that goes out every week to the officials, points of emphasis, areas where they can get better. I think certainly this is an area where they can get better. I think right now we're over-officiating uh, this particular point of emphasis. If, if I'm a coach, though, just turn to the crowd and do it. Don't turn to the guy's face. Like, turn to the like, – that's what happened in the NBA. They, they tried to do the same thing. They just said, don't do it in the guy's face. You can do it anywhere else. Maybe the players can just adjust to this one. Yeah, I think they can. I think, you know, again, we don't want to take away the enthusiasm nah. from the players, the excitement, the fan interaction. But we don't want you standing over a player who just got sacked and just dropped a, a pass and stand over him and taunt him. And that's, that's not what we're trying to do. So – uh, you know, look, I, I, I think the NFL, these officials, they work hard every week, but they're not perfect. Every week we get on these shows on Monday and we, we say, hey, this, this official's a couple bad calls in the game. Let's see if we can't get it fixed. But I think clearly it, there'll, there'll be a memo that comes down from the, the league office to try and make sure that uh, we're not over-officiating Tom. See, Gannon, we had the technical difficulties right off the top, just like I had speaking there. But you were flushed <laughs> out of the pocket, Rich, and on the move, you hit a man wide open down the field, as you always do. Appreciate your power and through. You're the best, brother. Thanks. Be well. There is uh, Rich right, Gannon, CBS Sports, right here on Tim and Friends. Time for one last break. I'll get the marbles out of my mouth. Difficulties. And we'll get to our Monday tip of the cap and last call. Jesse Rubinoff, Tim McAuliffe, Tim and Friends, continues after this short commercial interlude. Welcome back, friends. Our Monday tip of the cap goes to the Dodgers, Mookie Betts, and Reds fan Michael Diddle. Now, on Sunday, Reds outfielder TJ Friedel hit a home run, which also happened to be his first big league hit. Betts asked the fan who caught the ball to throw it back so that he could have it returned to Friedel. Now, he said, I got you. And not only did the ball, not only did the fan throw the ball back, but he did it without asking for anything in return. So when Betts returned to the outfield the following inning, he gave the fan a signed Mookie Betts back, which is respect for Friedel, respect for the fans, respect for the game. And to that, Mookie Betts, you get... Our Monday tip of the cap. A little bit more valuable than the ball that he had. That signed bat. Who knows? Maybe Friedel turns out to be a superstar. And yet the kid threw it back. Was, was the sign, that was by, signed by Mookie Betts? The bat was signed by Betts. 
I mean, he is an MVP already, so <laughs> just saying, pretty valuable. Uh, okay, let's stick with baseball and specifically the National League. The Padres were swept by the Cardinals over the weekend in a critical series in the National League wildcard race. San Diego is now three and a half games back of St. Louis for the second wildcard, and frustrations boiled over in the Padres' dugout Saturday when Manny Machado confronted Fernando Tatis Jr. after he struck out in the fifth inning and reacted angrily to the call by the home plate umpire. That's how you come after me when I make a mistake in the show, right? <laughs> was that sweep, was that sweep uh, the nail in the coffin for the Padres' playoff chance? I'm glad you don't do that when I make a mistake <laughs> in the show. Otherwise, I'd be doing it all over. The and it's easy. Don't worry about I'm kidding, it. Kidding, by the way. Uh, don't don't worry about it. They're not signed together for a long. Wait a second. Listen, I uh, I actually think, and I may be in the very slim minority here. I actually think this might be a big learning lesson for Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm -hmm. And what Machado was trying to tell him was, everyone else is also affected by when you get mad because you're one of the leaders on this team. Go play baseball. Now, Manny Machado by no means is an angel. He's a Padre. He's also um, one to get caught up in these moments where he his... Uh, his anger can take over like we've seen that before but this could be a learning process for this team where they're, if they're able to get by it they can build on it like I I think we need more accountability in life yes. period and we're going further and further back from it if Tatis understands how much this affects everyone else on the team even just the human being behind the plate calling the balls and strikes may squeeze that zone a little more when one guy's telling them where to go. No question. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier from Buster Olney and from ESPN Stats and Info. It just puts into perspective how bad the Padres have been since August 11th, basically. Yeah. They have played 294 baseball. That would project to 47.6 wins or 114 or 115 losses over a full 162-game season. A team with really high expectations coming in and looked good early. Spent all that money. August 11th, they had an 80% chance of making the postseason. It's now 5.8% according Jays, to fan graphs. The complete other direction. Yeah, but be careful Literally. when you're talking about yeah. fan graphs. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the more perplexing decisions of the NFL season happened during yesterday's Texans-Browns game. With the game tied in the second quarter on third and 15, Houston gained 13 yards to set up a fourth and two. However... There was an offsides penalty on the Browns, so Houston had a choice to accept the penalty and set up a third and ten, or de to decline the penalty and leave it at fourth and two. They declined, okay, what? but then they punted. Why did they do that? Uh, because they're the Houston Texans. Like, is there any way that someone whispered to quarterback and receiver, do you really need the 13 yards? Like, there's no... Think about this. The only thing gained is the 13 yards on the pass play. Kevin Stefanski was like, and he's one of the new age guys. He's thinking, okay, they're going for it on fourth down. That's why they're accepting this penalty. Yeah, that would be the only explanation. Penalty. The only explanation is that they are going to go for right. it. Because the punt 
ended up being a pooch punt because they were closer, which is harder for punters to execute than an actual punt. Like the only benefit that I can see from this in any way, shape, or form is the 13 yards gained. Otherwise, this is the most boneheaded play that I could think of a coach actually declining the penalty. So confusing. It's like that meme. No, no, but it's not not confusing. They just screwed up. They just screwed up at a very high level. And sometimes people in those positions aren't as smart as we think they are or give them credit for immediately. Yes. That's just the latest, the long string of NFL decisions we've seen over the years. Texans going to Texan. Yeah. Uh, Okay, it's an NFC North battle on Monday Night Football as the Lions visit the Packers. Now, Aaron Rodgers coming off one of the worst performances of his career in Green Bay's week one loss to the Saints. They got crushed. But he's 17-5 all-time against the Lions, and he's won seven straight games on Monday Night Football dating back to 2014. So... It's a big bounce-back spot for Rodgers. Do we see him doing it tonight? Uh, here's another one. Since 2019, Aaron Rodgers after a loss, 6-0 and with 16 touchdowns and no interceptions. Aaron Rodgers hasn't told people to relax yet, but he might as well tell people to relax. It's the Lions. It's the Packers. This screams that Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay roll all over Detroit. However, if they don't, it may be the beginning of the end of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I feel like if they don't, we'll really be talking about it. If they do, we'll be talking about it. If they don't, if, we'll if really they be do, about it. it's yeah. what we've seen in the past. Yeah. They're at home. They're against Detroit. Aaron Rodgers, after a loss, is lights out. So all those things point to the idea. Yeah. If they don't. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> For sure. Uh, okay, one last story I want to get to. Former Blue Jays outfielder Anthony Ghost is back in the major leagues, this time yes. as a relief pitcher. Yes. Cleveland called up Ghost from the minors today. He went 6-1. and one. With a 3.55 ERA for AAA Columbus this season, also pitched for the Americans at the Olympics. If you could switch to another position here at Sportsnet, Timmy, what position would you choose? Hold on. Is, is Ghost wearing Rob Blinkowski's favorite number? He is. He's, he's rocking the 6'9". Is that even allowed in the major leagues? <laughs> he's wearing... Yeah, listen. The NFL doesn't let you wear that number, by the way. What? Or one of the leagues, yeah, though. Yeah, it might yeah. be the majors, actually. Well, he's majors. wearing it now. Uh, oh, that's 89. My bad. Oh, My bad. Yeah, maybe, right. it, maybe it is yeah, Major League Baseball. Uh, I, I would told you, I would do the wheel overnight. Those little voiceovers that you hear, that would be the position that I would take. Not font coordinator. Maybe fun. <laughs> Just so I can know. That's it for us, kids. Jays and Rays about to get going over on Sportsnet. Later, it's the Mariners and the A's. Big series between the two in the wild card. Well, coming up next on Sportsnet 360, it's WWE main event followed by Raw. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for watching.